We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything. Lakers, it's Friday, and that means fun Friday. We kick off the weekend, 2 o'clock Pacific time, going live here for Lakers Nation. Just me today, just a solo show, but as I always say, it's not actually just me. It's me and all of you. So if you're joining us live on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, welcome in. Let's kick off the weekend a little bit of Lakers talk. Now, if you're listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, please make sure you do subscribe. Don't forget to give us that rating and review as well. Love reading those reviews over on Apple Podcasts. And of course, make sure you are subscribing to the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. I've been saying for a while now, this is going to be one of the most important Lakers off seasons, if not the most important off season in recent memory. The decisions they make now could impact the franchise for the next seven, eight, maybe 10 years because of all the future picks and things like that that can be involved. So make sure you stay in the know. Subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. A lot of stuff to talk about today. We've got a lot going on around the NBA. Somebody said, Torres said, finally, I can watch a Lakers Nation podcast from Europe. Thank you so much for coming in. First of all, that was part of the incentive, part of the reason why we did this. We still do our typical shows Monday and Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock Pacific time. But for some of our overseas fans, our international fans, this provides, perhaps depending on where you are, a better window to catch the show live. In addition to giving us, uh, those of us here in the United States, an opportunity to head into the weekend with some Lakers talk. So glad we've got some people coming in from overseas. All right. Let's talk first about the coaching situation. So there was actually a change in the NBA today, a transaction that was made that could make a difference for the Lakers and their coaching search. And that change was the Charlotte Hornets fired their coach, James Borrego. So he's now out. The reason why this impacts the Lakers is that adds one more team now that's on the market looking for a head coach. So right now, as of this moment, it's the Lakers, the Sacramento Kings, who we're going to talk about in just a second, and now the Charlotte Hornets added to the mix. And you'd have to imagine we're probably going to see the um, the Utah Jazz join that list. And maybe it's just a swap there where the Jazz spot comes on the market and the Lakers spot comes off the market if the Lakers do indeed hire Quinn Snyder to be their head coach. But in any event, the reason why this matters is because the Lakers are going to have competition on the coaching market. Here's what actually just came out recently. Adrian Wojnarowski, Sam Amick, uh, we also saw Shams Charania, all the, the regulars got involved in this. The Kings are already starting their interview process. So not only did the Lakers get the news that there's another team joining you on the coaching market looking for a head coach that is now going to be competing with you for a head coach. But now the Kings are already starting the interview process. And some of these names I would expect to pop up on the Lakers list as well. So the Kings are interviewing Mike D'Antoni, Mark Jackson, Mike Brown, Steve Clifford, Darvin Ham, Charles Lee, Darvin Ham and Charles Lee, both being assistants with the Bucks, and Will Hardy from Boston. Now, 
Again, I do expect that the Lakers, despite the turmoil that they've got, despite the drawbacks, probably the most desirable of those jobs that are out there between the Hornets, between the Kings, the Lakers, probably the more desirable job there, even with the handling of Frank Vogel kind of hanging over the, the franchise like a dark cloud. You've also got, of course, the situation where we've heard about Kurt Rambis sitting in on coaching meetings and things of that nature. Coaches not being able to pick their own assistants. A lot of things, a lot of negatives going on with the Lakers job. Still have to imagine it's the Lakers, probably more desirable than coaching the Kings or coaching the Charlotte Hornets. But in any event, more competition for the coaching pool. It's not a good thing for the Los Angeles Lakers. And once again, wouldn't be a surprise if the Utah Jazz, who are right now down 2-1 to one to the Dallas Mavericks in their series, 2-1 to one with new, no Luka Doncic, and the, the Jazz are still trailing in that series, I would have to imagine we're going to see major changes in Utah if and when they get knocked out of the playoffs, which means they will probably be on the coaching hunt as well, although Quinn Snyder then becomes an option potentially for the Lakers. Nick Nurse, the Toronto Raptors down 0-3 right now. The Lakers might have interest in him if he hits the market, but all indications that we've seen are that the Raptors are not intending to let him go, don't plan to do that. But in any event, the Lakers, we've heard, would have interest if he is indeed on the market or if there is a way to pry him free. Unfortunately, it would probably have to come via a trade, and I don't think the Lakers have the trade assets to spend on a coach right now. But in any event, there's more competition out there on the coaching market now for your Los Angeles Lakers, and it's going to be something to keep an eye on. The Kings, again, trying to get a jump on things, trying to maybe get ahead of the competition so they can get first choice of the coaches who are out there. Perhaps the Lakers waiting to see if Quinn Snyder hits the market, maybe waiting to see if a guy like Doc Rivers, if he doesn't, if uh, things don't go well for the 76ers, if he winds up on the market. Again, the Sixers right now up 3-0. There was some news that just came out, though, about a thumb ligament issue for Joel Embiid. Obviously, if he is injured, that's not going to bode well for the longevity of the Sixers in the playoff race. But right now, they've looked great, and they're up 3-0. But Doc Rivers, could he be out there? Nick Nurse as well. Could those names come on the market if the Lakers are a bit more patient and wait? Again, the Kings trying to interview people right now, seeing if they can get ahead of the Lakers and the Hornets and perhaps get a commitment from whoever their top choice is. And once again, Quinn Snyder could wind up being on the market as well. Somebody said, how about Coach Trevor? Hey, I'll, I'll volunteer as tribute if that's what it takes. As long as I can have Rajon Rondo as an assistant coach, and then I could just tell him, hey, man, you're, you're running the ship. I'm going to enjoy my front row seats here. I'll chime in every now and then with some stuff, but this is, this is your ship, man. Off you go. That's what I would do if uh, I was put into that situation. Oh, John Nico uh, St. Domingo said, hey, Trevor, good morning. Greetings from the Philippines. Welcome in from the Philippines. So glad to get our international viewers in. Jeff, Jeff, hey, Trevor, did you see that Grizzlies game? Oh, my goodness. That was so interesting. I mean, just incredible. 37 to 12 was the score in the fourth quarter of that Grizzlies game, coming back to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves were feeling good about themselves. They were hooting and hollering and, and making a lot of noise and puffing out their chests and all that. Uh, then things started to turn against them, and suddenly they got really quiet there. So interesting to see the way that played out. The Grizzlies now in pretty decent shape. I especially was impressed that the Grizzlies got that done without John Morant having a particularly good night. He got a triple-double, but was not very efficient. Uh, looked shaky at times, and yet the Grizzlies still managed to have this massive comeback win. Always a little bit rough when we see Desmond Bain go nuts, led the Grizzlies in scoring in this one, and um, gosh, he probably should have been the pick the year that the Lakers traded for Dennis Schroeder. He was right there waiting for the Lakers to grab him. I talked to him before the draft. He was really hoping the Lakers would pick him, but now he's doing some great things with the Memphis Grizzlies. Let me see what else we've got coming in here from the chat. Oh, somebody mentioned, uh, Tenora said, said Lakers should get Becky Hammond as a coach. So she is, is connected to the WNBA right now. I think she's going to be staying there for, for a little while. So I don't think she's necessarily going to be on the market. And then I've got some people that are mentioning Shaq. So Shaq threw out there that he would coach the Lakers, but he want $25 million a season to do it. I've never seen Shaq have that much interest in coaching, and it's not really a surprise. I just never pegged him as a guy that would want, that was so obsessed with the X's and O's that it would make him a natural fit to be a coach. I mean, obviously, incredible player, absolutely dominant force, had so much fun watching the Shaq years with the Lakers. 
but he's just never struck me as the kind of guy that had the right temperament to to go on to become a head coach like like we talk about Rajon Rondo makes a lot of sense as a coach uh, Jason Kidd obviously having great success this season with the Mavericks some of these guys that have really clicked as a head coach they were obsessed with the X's and O's as players and breaking down the game that way and I'm not sh- saying that Shaq can't do that or can't ho- had, hold his own there but I don't think and by the way joking asking for 25 million that is way beyond what NBA coaches tend to get uh, I don't think that's going to be a realistic option for the Lakers, but it would be funny. That's for sure. There would be an entertainment value to that. Uh, JP, Trevor, if LeBron wants to move to a contender, would you move him to Utah for Donovan Mitchell? I don't know if that's enough to get me to sacrifice the final season of LeBron. And I like Donovan Mitchell a, not, a lot, but I think we've also seen that maybe he's a 1B guy. Maybe he's not a 1A guy. Maybe he's more of kind of your your second guy on a really good team. Can he be that? I think so. And that's not necessarily a knock on him. I just don't know that he's a top, top tier superstar. And I don't know that you're going to get, if you decided you were going to trade LeBron, a top tier superstar. He's young. I think he's 26. And so that gives you um, some incentive there, especially with a 37-year-old LeBron. But think about it from a revenue perspective, the amount of revenue you generate having LeBron James on your team. It's, it's beyond belief. And I think that matters for the team. Plus, I think the optics of trading away a guy like LeBron after he picked the Lakers wouldn't necessarily be great. Now, if LeBron went to the Lakers and said, please trade me and I want to go to the Utah Jazz, okay, then then let's talk. Then then sure, if we want to talk Donovan Mitchell, you want to talk Rudy Gobert, pieces like that. I do think the Jazz are going to blow things up after this season. I don't know that that means they moved Donovan Mitchell, but I think some major changes are going to be made with the Jazz. I just don't see them as a natural landing spot for LeBron if the Lakers, and I don't think the Lakers are going to go down this road, but if the Lakers decide to consider trading LeBron James, I don't see the Jazz as necessarily a fit there. I don't think that's somewhere that, that the Lakers will move him or that LeBron would want to go. Aaron Joseph, do you consider Quinn Snyder to be successful in LA with the struggles that have been going on in Utah? I think that's an interesting question. Can Quinn Snyder really be successful with the Lakers, given what we've seen? Look, the the Jazz have had this MO for years now. Years of being a good regular season team, of being the kind of team that on a random Wednesday night in January can make you look really bad, can make your defense look bad because their offense just clicks. They've got guys moving all over the place. They're raining jumpers down on you. But then come playoff time, when teams can lock in on just them, Defenses figure them out, and then they go home early. That has been the MO of the Utah Jazz. They've had some good seasons. They've had some really good seasons recently, but they flame out come playoff time. Is that a knock on Quinn Snyder? Is that the makeup of the roster? Is that the factor there? Or if you're the Lakers, are you looking at Quinn Snyder and you're saying, this guy doesn't get it done come playoff time? We don't want to just be good in regular season. We're measuring success on championships, we don't think this is the guy to do that. I think it's fair to question. It's fair to ask. And I think if you're the Lakers and you buy into this thing where Utah, and if we just say this is Quinn Snyder as a coach, is great during the regular season, but then come playoff time, things tend to fall to pieces. I think the argument for Quinn Snyder from the Lakers side would be, okay, well, if this guy can get the most out of our role players during the regular season, if this guy can get everything clicking, during the regular season and just get us into the playoff seating that we want come playoff time. Here you go, LeBron. It's your show. Off you go. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, whatever pieces you trade Russell Westbrook for, and you're off and running. I think that's the argument. That's how you'd have to be looking at it if you are the Los Angeles Lakers. But again, could there be some other options out there? And what worries me, by the way, about the Lakers coaching situation and, and co- coaching efforts, number one, it's this idea that they are going to stick within their family tree. I've talked about this a lot. I don't think this is the right move. I think you need to cast a wider net, as wide of a net as possible, and find the right person. Whether or not that person has previous connections to the Lakers shouldn't really matter all that much. But for some reason with the Lakers, historically, that has mattered. They've always picked people who already have previous connections to the Lakers. Frank Vogel was a Lakers scout at one point. These things tend to matter with the Lakers front office. And my hope is that it won't. Now, I'm not saying you don't pick someone just because they have Lakers ties. But I think you need to look beyond that. And then the other piece to this is if if you're the Lakers, does the head coach really need to have head coaching experience? Our guy, Corey Hansford, 
tweet god for Lakers Nation made this point yesterday on our Twitter spaces that we did, which, by the way, some of you may have joined us in there. That was a lot of fun. He mentioned, they said, look around the playoffs. Look at how many first-time head coaches right now are having success or guys who were first-time head coaches that got a shot with their team. Look at Taylor Jenkins with, with the Grizzlies. Look at Ime Odoka with the, with the Celtics. Look at these guys who are finding success. They aren't necessarily guys who are retreads, who have coached a number of different teams. Now, that's not to say that those types of coaches don't have value, but heck, look at Eric Spolstra. Remember how con controversial that was? And now Eric Spolstra is universally seen as one of the best coaches in the NBA, period. I don't think it's necessary for the Lakers to stick with a coach that already has head coaching experience. It doesn't mean you have to go back to a, you know, it doesn't have to, I'm not saying it can't be these guys, but it doesn't have to be Mike D'Antoni or Mark Jackson or somebody like that. You can go to a Darvin Ham and be okay with it. I think the only question mark becomes, how does this particular coach, if they don't have head coaching experience, how do they manage a locker room that includes LeBron James, Anthony Davis, other veteran players? That, that is maybe where a veteran coach who already has head coaching experience, has a little bit of a leg up. But in terms of X's and O's, in terms of tactics, I wouldn't be opposed, if I'm the Lakers, to looking at some new voices. Get some fresh blood in there. At least consider it. I don't think, if I'm the Lakers, I want to limit things in any way. I want to cast as wide of a net as possible. That means I don't care if they're from the Lakers family tree, and I don't particularly care if they've gotten head coaching experience or not. If they're one of the bright young minds in the assistant coaching ranks, if it's a Darvin Ham, someone like that, great. Give them a look. Give them real serious consideration. And if they're the best fit, you hire them, regardless of whether or not they have previous head coaching experience. And you look around the NBA as your example as to why you do that. There have been plenty of first-time head coaches that have had success at the NBA level and are having success in the playoffs right now. I don't think it's something that you turn your nose up at if you're the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, people saying get Coach K from Duke. Jay Henderson with a super chat. Thank you. I appreciate that. Freddie Raider said, Trevor, do you see the Lakers cleaning house? I let like trade Davis and Westbrook. I think the only way you trade AD is if you're also trading LeBron. And then you can start fresh. And then I'm not worried about trading Russ because then Russ has an expiring contract, maybe matters more than whatever you can get for him. See, the Lakers right now, in order to trade Russell Westbrook, and I know I'm sure we'll talk about this plenty, but if you're going to trade for Russell Westbrook, or you're going to trade away Russell Westbrook, what you're getting back isn't going to be positive value stuff. Nobody wants Russell Westbrook on a $47 million contract, right? If Russ was just out there, out there in free agency, let's say you wave him. Say you just wave him and he's $47 million. Is anybody picking him up? No, not on that contract. If he was cheaper, sure. But on that contract, nobody wants Russell Westbrook. So you're not going to get anybody giving you things of positive value. Instead, what you're getting is you're getting negative contracts. You're getting negative value contracts that, go, that are cheaper than Russ's contract. So like a Gordon Hayward is making about 30 million. Russ is making 47 million. You're getting that contract with the caveat that Russ expires at the end of this season. You're taking on, you're getting a cheaper negative value contract but it goes for more years. So what the trade-off is, is you're giving up future cap space and ideally for the Lakers, you're getting a player who will fit better with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, whether it's Gordon Hayward, Malcolm Brogdon, whoever, all of these types of trades, that is the dynamic of the trade is you're taking, you're sending out bad money that expires. You're taking back bad money that doesn't expire, but probably fits a bit better. That is the basis of all of these trades that we're talking about. Now, for some of them, they might require the Lakers to throw in some draft capital, particularly if it's somebody whose contract isn't necessarily a massive negative, if it's just a minor negative where you're not too worried about it. Yeah, the Lakers probably have to add some stuff to get somebody to take back Russ. And let's face it, around the NBA, teams see the Russ situation with the Lakers as one where they have to move him and so they're going to try to fleece the Lakers. They're going to try to get everything they can. And so if I'm the Lakers, I got to be really careful about what moves I make, what exactly I'm willing to pay, because especially right out of the gates, teams are going to be asking the world from the Lakers because they're going to say, Russ isn't happy there. You have to move him. You have to get something for that contract. Clearly he wants to leave. You guys want him gone. We want first rounders. Give us those picks. 
for the Lakers, it's important that they weather that initial storm that comes in in the early, very terrible offers that are going to come their way, and they don't do something dumb, play the waiting game, make the right move at the right time, because I do think you need to move Russ. I don't think you want to start next season with him on your roster, but you have to find the right deal, and it might require a little bit of patience in order to do that. Ah, Marcus McCall with the super chat. Thank you. Very much appreciate that. Sheldon Amoncio said, what about Brian Shaw or Sam Cassell? Absolutely. Absolutely. Add those guys to the list too. I think the initial round, the initial coaching search, it's going to include a lot, a lot of names. There's going to be a lot that the Lakers should be looking at and should be considering for that head coach job. It's going to be really important that they leave no stone unturned, that they do their due diligence and figure out who is the best fit. And, you know, I go back to this. Sometimes with coaches, the initial hire, you go, oh, I don't know about that. Usually with a young coach that's not as experienced, and then it winds up working out. When Brad Stevens went to the Celtics, that's a great example. You had a lot of people raise their eyebrows went, really? This guy's a college coach? He's kind of young? Is this? And it worked out great. Okay. A retread coach, like if it's a Steve Clifford or somebody like that, okay. Maybe there's some, some concerns there, but... If it is a first-time head coach, I'm going to try to refrain from being negative about that because I think we've seen instances where it's worked. It's worked. And, you know, I used this, this earlier today, an analogy earlier today, when I was on a, a podcast, we were talking about the show Winning Time. And I talked about how sometimes things don't look great on the surface and then they work out. Okay, we re I referenced picking Heath Ledger to play the Joker. The backlash against that was ridiculous. When it, when it first was announced uh, that Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker, everybody just could not see it, could not imagine it. And then it became, I mean, one of the greatest characters we've ever seen. Just absolutely incredible. Coaches are kind of the same way, where you don't know 100% how a coach is going to work out or exactly what he's going to bring in, particularly with a young coach that's new to the NBA or new to head coaching at the NBA level, you don't know exactly how that's going to work out. And so some of the retread, like if it's Mike D'Antoni, we know what to expect. We know what to expect. But if it's a Darvin Ham, somebody like that, okay, I'm going to try to give the Lakers a little, this is my own thoughts on it. I'm going to try to give the Lakers leeway if that's the route they go and not immediately say, oh no, it's Darvin Ham. It's not this guy or that guy or, or whatever. It's not this big name. I think there's there's instances where that works out, and I would love to see the Lakers find themselves in that situation where something does work out, especially with a coach that they could keep around long-term. All right, let's see what else we've got going on here in the chat. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jay Henderson with Super Chat said, what do you think about Sam Cassell? New coaches have a better understanding of today's league, a.k.a. Willie Green, another good reference there, Willie Green and Ime Odoka. Yeah, I agree. Look, Sam Cassell, I think, would be interesting as well. Uh, I like Michael Henderson right below says, what do you think about Sam Cassell as a head coach with Rondo as an assistant coach? I am, as Jay Henderson mentions here, Sam Cassell, sure, give him a look. Sometimes these coaches have a better feel for the new NBA, the new way that the basketball is being played. For, like for Frank Vogel. 
to play small very much went against the core of his being. And I'm not saying the Lakers should necessarily be a small ball team, but Frank Vogel has had to adjust his philosophy of coaching, his strategic uh, lens that he views the NBA through quite a bit since he first came in to the NBA. So you find somebody who's a little bit newer in terms of their coaching and where they've been, how long it's been since they've been a player on the floor. Maybe you're going to get a different perspective that can lead to success, particularly in an NBA that has changed a lot. It's changed a lot. Look, I mean, like Chauncey Billups was a first-time head coach this year, but how much has the NBA changed since Chauncey Billups finished playing, since Chauncey Billups was at his best? And maybe you can make the argument for Sam Cassell as well. But again, if you've been coaching during that time, you have to make even more adjustments than somebody who was playing during that time because your philosophies have changed a lot. These guys have seen the NBA change quite a bit. Go back and watch a game from 04. Almost looks like a different sport. Really does. So you've got to find somebody, I think, who's got kind of a fresh perspective, particularly with LeBron in the latter stages of his career. You've got to find some new ideas. Frank Vogel was trying and trying and trying, seeing if something would stick. And he never quite found the combination that worked for the Lakers. And, and again, we saw, what, 41 different starting lineups? I mean, that's that's absurd. That is absurd, but Frank Vogel was trying everything he could find and nothing would work. Sometimes it just takes a fresh perspective coming into a problem like this. Maybe it's the uh, goodwill hunting math problem or something like that. Uh, as for Rajon Rondo, I am very much on board with whoever the head coach is. Bring in Rondo. Bring in, if, if Rondo says, I'm done, okay, and that's an if. We don't know. If Rondo decides, I'm done playing, and I'm going to move into the coaching ranks. If I'm the Lakers, I'm offering him an assistant coach spot. For the longest time, Rajon Rondo has been viewed as one of the best basketball minds out there, period. Frank Vogel talked about it. How Rondo would often be, Frank Vogel would get held up doing something on the court. He'd go back to the locker room at halftime. And the stuff that Frank Vogel was thinking about going over with the team, Rondo was already doing it. Rondo had already circled the team up and was going over the plays that they needed to discuss. Because that's the way Rondo's mind operates. Again, one of the most intelligent basketball players we've ever seen. If I'm the Lakers, I don't care who I pick for my head coach. Doesn't matter. I don't care if it's Mike D'Antoni. I don't care if it's Mark Jackson, Darvin Ham. Does not matter. I want Rondo on that assistant coaching staff. If for no other reason, then at some point, look, coaches don't last forever. They don't. We've seen this. Coaches last for Some coaches last for a few seasons. The Greg Popovich, where they're there for 20 years, that's rare. That's very, very, very rare in the NBA. So I want Rajon Rondo on my bench there, kind of in the Jason Kidd role, where Jason Kidd, had he not gone to the Mavs this last summer, he's probably coaching the Lakers right now. That probably would have happened midseason. You didn't get him because he was, got, he was poached by the Mavs. I want Rondo as the heir apparent to whoever the Lakers coach is. And maybe, look, maybe you get Darvin Ham, and it works great, and he's the Lakers coach for the next 20 years. Okay, great. But is that what you can expect to happen? No. Instead, bring in Rondo. Let him earn his chops on the bench as part of the Lakers organization. And then perhaps when the time comes, whenever the time is right to change out your head coach, perhaps that's when Rondo is ready to take the, rein the reins. That's something I'm looking at. It's kind of like bringing in a quarterback in the NFL and giving them the first season to just sit and watch. That's what we're probably going to see. Look, I mean, Patrick Mahomes did it, right? This happens in the NFL. You bring in, you draft a quarterback, you give them a season to sit on the sidelines, watch, learn, and then they're ready later on. That's what I'm doing with Rondo as a coach. I think the Lakers should definitely be interested in something like that. All right, got some super chats here to get to. Esham976 said, what do you think about Westbrook? To the Utah Jazz for Rudy Gobert. Clearly Mitchell and Gobert hate each other and one has to go. Well, how does Westbrook really help the Utah Jazz? If Danny Ainge gets Russell Westbrook, does that fix things? Isn't there some duplication in terms of attacking the basket with Donovan Mitchell? You already have Mike Conley there. I don't see the fit for Russ there. Now, if the Jazz decide to move Rudy Gobert, I have a feeling as a perennial and multi-time defensive player of the year, perennial candidate to, to run it, I have a feeling that he will have plenty of suitors. So if I am the Utah Jazz, 
And I've got Rudy Gobert, and I'm looking up his contract right now. He's under contract for four more seasons here. $37 million next season, $40 million, $43 million, $45 million. That's a lot, but he's so good defensively. I'd have to imagine that if they decide, you know what? Look, Shaq and Kobe situation here. We got to pick one or the other. Donovan Mitchell's our guy. We're sticking with him. That means we're trading away Rudy Gobert. I have to imagine they're going to have somebody give them positive value for him. So I don't think Russ necessarily fits that bill. You can make the salaries work, but is it Russ and a couple of firsts and you go get Rudy Gobert? Okay, maybe the Lakers are interested in doing that. But once again, you're sacrificing your long-term salary to do that. And let's face it, we just watched Rudy Gobert get played off the floor in this last game against the Mavs. That was when the Jazz started to come back, was when they sent Rudy Gobert to the bench. Not saying you can't scheme around that and do some things there, but also does getting Rudy Gobert eliminate Quinn Snyder as an option for you? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it improves it. I don't know. I think it would impact it in some way, though. James Lopez, do you think prime LeBron would take the Lakers to the finals? No, I don't think so. And prime LeBron, look, LeBron was fantastic this season, but prime LeBron probably isn't carrying this team to the finals. He would probably carry them to the playoffs, but to the finals, you're asking a lot because we've never seen... That's been my one big takeaway from watching the, these playoffs have been the Lakers never got to a level that we're seeing these teams play at in the playoffs right now. Even the Pelicans are playing at a level that we never saw the Lakers get to ever. They didn't touch it this season. And that's not necessarily rare, right? I mean, playoff basketball does hit another level, but still, I don't think even a prime LeBron is taking this Lakers team to the finals. In the playoffs, sure, but there was too much wrong with this roster construction. For a long time, you know, I did a radio show for Fox Sports today and was asked this question, you know, what do you, how do you fix this Lakers team? I think you go back to basics and you go back to, this is not rocket science, surround LeBron with players who do two things, can shoot threes and defend. That's what you need. Guys who can shoot threes and guys who can defend. That tends to lead to success. That is a solid recipe for success. The Lakers did not have that this season. And even prime LeBron on this team would not have those things. Wouldn't have guys who could do both of those. You had some guys who could shoot, some guys who could defend, not many who could do, do both. So I don't think even prime LeBron would take this Lakers team to the finals. I think they were simply too flawed for that. Uh, Christian Knight with a $10 super chat. Thank you. Lakers uh, need... Uh, not only need you not only in the lineup, but also on the coaching staff, they need new ideas, schemes, etc. And if I'm Jeannie Buss, I'd offer Masai Ujiri a contract. He can't refuse and let him do his thing. Look, I'm, I'm with you, Christian Knight. Now, if you are saying they need me in the lineup and the coaching staff, I'm not sure if that's what you were saying. You said you need your, not only, but I, I promise I can't help in the lineup. There are brighter basketball minds than mine. I tend to look at things from the perspective of, from an outside perspective, there are certainly people who are better with X's and O's than I am. There's no question about that. But that being said, your point about Jeannie Buss offering a contract he can't refuse, this is where I don't feel like the Lakers, we saw them lose out on Ty Lue, we saw them miss out on, on Monty Williams. They should never lose out on a coach or a general manager for any front office personnel due to finances. They shouldn't. There is no salary cap for that. You can pay a coach as much as you want. You can pay a general manager as much as you want. You want to pay Shaq $25 million a year to come coach the Lakers? You can do that. That does nothing to your ability to build out the roster, to the CBA, to any of that. The Lakers, as of right now, are the seventh most valuable franchise in all of sports. I've said this a lot recently. There is no reason why they should ever lose because of money. Ty Lue giving him a three-year offer at a low-ball price, that's ridiculous. The Lakers should not have lost the guy that they thought would be a great coach moving forward for that. Now, again, maybe that just means they weren't that sold on Ty Lue. Maybe. Maybe that's the case. But if they have a guy that they want, they should not lose him due to money. Now, Masai Ujiri, I don't think he's leaving Toronto. I don't believe his contract is up with them either, but... I agree with your sentiment there that if he was, if there's a guy out there that they think, hey, we can bring this guy in and he can turn things around, money should not be the thing that stops you from doing that. 
if you are the Los Angeles Lakers. If you are another team, if you're a team that doesn't have the kind of value that the Lakers have, okay. But if money, if finances is stopping the Lakers from making the moves that they need to make, well, that is a much bigger discussion, especially when you've got an NBA that now has a guy like Steve Ballmer, who is the richest owner in sports, period, that can find the money to pay Norman Powell and Robert Covington, can get those guys for free on his roster because he's got the money to pay them, probably buried in his couch cushions. That's a problem for the Lakers moving forward if we now have a franchise that's making decisions for financial reasons. And that is a much deeper rabbit hole to go down, but we'll save most of that for another day. Lakers Nation, I want to pause for a moment and talk a little bit about Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because for me personally, I was interested in recovery. Number one, I've been trying to get back into shape and spending a lot of time in the gym, lifting weights, doing all those sorts of things. And I wanted to see if it could help with my recovery process and what that looks like. We all know how important recovery is in any type of athletic endeavor. And then also the mental clarity part of it. I'm the type of person where I've noticed, you know, middle of the day, I start to just hit this lull, this wall that I, I run into, and I've just found I'm just not as productive as I should be. And I'll admit, I was pretty skeptical when I went into this, uh, when I started taking AG1, but I've been very, very pleasantly surprised. Not only has my recovery improved, and I've been taking AG1 for about three weeks now, I've been making noticeable improvements in the gym, but the mental clarity piece to this, the energy piece to this, it has been noticeable in the afternoons. I simply have more focus, more energy. I just noticed suddenly I'm getting way more done during the day. I'm accomplishing more tasks on my to-do list rather than pushing things off to the next day. And that means for all of you, that means more Lakers Nation content, more NBA front office content, everything else that we bring. It's been absolutely fantastic. I can't believe how productive I've been while taking AG1. So what is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And that is exactly how I take it. It's the first thing I take in the morning. Instead of getting coffee or an energy drink or something like that, I drink my AG1. One, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, aging, all of the things all in one. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself that you would have to go out and find. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens, it was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him over $100 per day. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. And for me, I'm super busy. The sports world, it moves at a lightning fast pace. So Athletic Greens, very quick, very simple for me to get my nutrition in one Place. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash LakersNation. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash LakersNation to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Let's see what else we've got here. Oh, Christian Knight said, youth, my bad. Youth, need youth. Yes, they do need youth. They absolutely need youth as well. I am in agreement with you there. <laughs> oh, man, come on. Somebody said Trevor Lane needs to eat a salad. Come on, man. I'm down 10 pounds right now. I'm feeling good. I'm making progress. Give me, give me a little bit of credit there. Uh, AV said, wave slash stretch Russ if Rudy and Hayward are the only options. So... That's something else to consider. Eric Pincus, 
did a show with Keith and I, Keith Smith over in the front office show. I also posted the Lakers portion to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And it was interesting because he said waving and stretching Russ would be better, would be better than going after Gordon Hayward or going after Malcolm Brogdon. Now, he said he's looking at the long-term health of the franchise as the reason why he believes that, because he thinks that trading those picks, the 2027 and 2029 first, should be a last resort type thing. And he's probably not wrong in that. I mean, look, trading picks that far into the future can be very, very dangerous. So if you're the Lakers, you have to be really convinced that you're getting stuff that's going to help you contend for a championship this season. Like you are the championship contender. You are right near the top. That's what you have to get back if you're going to trade those picks. Otherwise, you have to question, are you making that trade to appease LeBron? Are you making that trade because you're Rob Palenka and you're worried that you're going to lose your job if you don't, and you're not going to be around to make those picks anyway, so you're not going to value them as much as you should. If that's the case, that's where Jeannie Buss, who should care the most about the long-term future of the franchise and health of the franchise, would need to step in and say, yeah, no, we're not, we're not trading those future firsts away so we can get Eric Gordon or something like that. You're talking about picks that could be very, very valuable in the future and can make a big difference in the Lakers and the moves that they can make moving forward, you've got to be careful before you go and make moves like that. And that's where you start to look at, hey, if these picks are what's required in order to move Russell Westbrook, does it then become more palatable to wave and stretch him? Is there something we can do to get around this? Could we do Russ for some longer-term contracts and then add second-rounders and not the first? Will a team do that? If the answer is no, do you then consider the wave and stretch option with Russ, deal with 15 million negative cap on your books, dead cap sitting on your books, and then off you go. Maybe. Offers up a little bit more flex flexibility to side free agents this year. There's some benefits to it. Not great though. Not a great feeling knowing that finally, July 1st, Lou Aldang comes off the books and suddenly you'd have 15-ish million, maybe a little bit less if he takes a buyout for Russ sitting on your books. But Russ is going to have to sit down with the Lakers. The Lakers and Russ have to sit down and figure out what each side wants. Is Russ open to staying? If he's not, okay, what are you going to do to make a breakup happen? What are you going to be willing to do? Will you give back some money in a buyout, knowing you're going to get money on the market once you're a free agent? Will you do that? Are you going to help facilitate a trade? Are you going to help sell a team on taking you on via trade? Tell them the things that they want to hear about what you're, you'll do as far as your role and your fit. Are you going to help with that? That's where the Lakers and Russell Westbrook need to sit down and just have a very open and honest discussion on what each side wants and then go from there. Whoa, Tony with a $20 super chat. Thank you. Said, keep Russ... If it doesn't work, just send him home. Lakers need to start building young and strong defensively. I would focus on getting a coach that's going to be there in the long haul. Lakers uh, need to be perfect this offseason. The last thing you said, I've been saying for a while now, yes, Lakers need to bat 1,000 this offseason. They can, have got to get everything right. They got so much wrong last offseason that their margin for error, it's just it doesn't exist this season. If they want to get back into the playoffs, they want to get back to being a contender, they have to get everything right. This summer, that's a lot of pressure on Rob Palenka. As far as Russ goes, keep Russ. If it doesn't work, send him home. So if you go down that path, what that means, and that's fine if, if that's what you think is the best path for the Lakers, but the negative or the, the cons of that decision, if you decide you're going to keep Russ, is, is Russ going to be more tradable at the trade deadline? If it doesn't work, do you have an out there at the trade deadline? And then from there, if you keep him, you're also resigning yourself to probably only having your taxpayer mid-level to use, plus veteran minimums. And maybe you're losing Malik Monk. So what would the Lakers roster look like? LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves, Wenyan Gabriel. Those guys all under contract. Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Dunn. That's your starting place. That's what you've got on the team. To add to that team, you either have to sign somebody for the taxpayer mid-level, which is $6 million. So that's the most you've got to go spend out on the market. Maybe you can get Malik Monk back for that. Maybe you can't. Maybe you lose Malik Monk and you get nothing back in return. That's possible. Maybe you get Malik Monk to sign that taxpayer mid-level. We'll see. Then everybody else on your team has to be a veteran minimum. 
how many veterans are going to be clamoring to sign with the Lakers given how messy it looked last season? I think that's fair to ask. How many young players are you going to get for those veteran minimum deals? I don't know. Are you going to be getting the cream of the crop? Probably not. So you'd have to, again, find diamonds in the rough like you did with Stanley Johnson, Wendy Gabriel, certainly Austin Reeves. You would have to find more of those kind of guys to help you out moving forward. Now, again, that's if you bring back Russell Westbrook. That's the way you build out this roster. The only other major thing you could do is trade Taylor Horton Tucker and or trade Kendrick Nunn and get something back for those guys. That's the Those are the only options that you have if you bring back Russell Westbrook. It's taxpayer mid-level, veteran minimums, THT Kendrick Nunn on the trade block. That's how you're building out your team. Now, you kind of wind up, you might wind up with a team that looks disturbingly, disturbingly like last year's team. And I know nobody wants that. Nobody wants to see that team come back. So I am of the mindset that you need to do something with Russ, if for nothing else, just to clear the air, because this season, again, I feel like it's the worst season in Lakers history. I think a lot of people agree with that, relative to expectations anyway. Record-wise, it's not the worst. But relative to expectations, it's the worst season in Lakers history. So I'm of the mindset that you need to clear the air. You need a fresh start next year. Plus, I think that roster construction-wise, you need guys that fit better alongside LeBron and AD than Russell Westbrook did. I'm of the mindset that you move Russ. But Tony, I'm not going to totally disagree with you if you're looking at this as, well, it's going to cost so much to move Russ. It's going to be, the the cure is going to be more painful than the disease. It's going to cause more pain than keeping Russ would. And so I understand that. But just also realize that if you do that, that's what you're limited to. A roster of Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves, Wendy Gabriel, Stanley Johnson, Malik Monk, probably gone, maybe not, we'll see. And then you've got Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn, and that's what you're building your team around from there. All right, let's see what else we've got here. We'll do a few more. Uh, Trone Force said from YouTube, said, Trevor, do you think if Lillard or Beal requested a trade to the Lakers, there would be a pathway with Russ's expiring deal, the 2027-2029 first-round picks, THT, multiple second-rounders. So that's the, the kitchen sink offer. That's the kitchen sink offer as, t as you do everything you can to get those guys. If one of those guys specifically requested a trade to the Lakers, I still think those offers would be beat. I talked about it earlier. If you're a general manager, like let's say you're Rob Palenka, do you value the 2027 and 2029 first as much as you should, as much as the franchise should? Probably not because the track record or the lifespan, the shelf life of a general manager, let's go with that. The shelf life of a general manager isn't that long. So if you trade 2027 to 2029, do you care that much? Because you're, you're probably not going to be around to make those picks anyway. Probably not. But the same argument works for a GM trading for those things. Are they as valuable as they should be for you? Because you're probably not going to be around to make those picks anyway. Maybe not. So I don't know how much value those picks have. I think if one of those guys is available, it's... Those are the types of players you would argue are worth trading those picks for. But that's a lot of money going out. Less money coming back in between Russ and THT going for Lillard or Beal. Getting less money coming back in. So there'd be other pieces added in there. I don't see. First of all, I think Portland would be a hard no on trading Lillard to the Lakers, period. They're not going to trade him to the Lakers. They hate the Lakers. They're not going to trade him to L.A. Okay. I don't think they're not going to trade him this summer. Anyway, at best at the earliest, they would trade Damian Lillard is the trade deadline. They're going to do everything they can to build around Lillard this summer. I don't think he's on the market this summer. Bradley Beal. I think he's going to stay with the wizards. If not, if not, I think there's other locations, locations that Bradley Beal will choose to go. He's good buddies. And this is a little bit scary. He's really good friends with Jason Tatum with the Boston Celtics. Maybe that's a landing spot for him. Of course, we've heard the 76ers in the mix for Bradley Beal. There's a lot of teams. I don't see it as a realistic possibility that the Lakers get either of those guys. All right, let's see what else we've got. Nelson Rios from Facebook said, I like the idea of including THT in the Pacers deal if it means getting Turner. We need a real solution for when AD misses time. I'm not going to disagree. Yeah, if I could get Miles Turner back, in a Pacers deal, if I had to sacrifice THT to do it, I'm probably interested in that. 
Uh, I think THT is better than what we saw this season. I think he's a terrible fit next to Russell Westbrook, and the Lakers did him no favors there. So I, I would expect that as a young player, 21 years old still, Taylor Horton Tucker will be better in future seasons. I don't think that's outlandish to say that a young player tends to get better as their career goes on. But if you can get a guy who's still pretty young himself, like Miles Turner, that would be an intriguing fit. Talk about a no-fly zone around the basket if you had AD and Turner on the floor together. Question the defensive rotations, sure. But it's interesting to me, particularly given the fact that Turner can step outside. He's not like a dead-eye three-point shooter, but he can shoot competently out there. So it's interesting. It's certainly something I consider. And if it was, if THT is what's stopping me from getting Brogdon, Heald, and Turner, I'm not letting that stop me. I'm not letting THT stop me from getting those things, even though I do think Taylor Horton Tucker will be better in future seasons than what we saw this season. Vector Nova with a super chat. Thank you. Said, after this season, I'm very reluctant to trust veteran minimum players considered to be veterans. I'd rather get undrafted players because at least I can trust the scouting drafting department to do their jobs. You know, I think that might be especially true for the Lakers. And here's why. We've seen the Lakers so many times find talent late in the draft. Find guys that work. Austin Reeves, great example this year. In the past, Jordan Clarkson, Kyle Kuzma, Ivica Zubats, Thomas Bryant, right? The list goes on and on and on. There's so many guys that the Lakers have found late in drafts. They clearly have, are doing something right when it comes to identifying talent on the cheap. So I think, Vector Nova, what you're saying goes beyond just kind of the general concept of younger players on minimum deals can bring you more of a return sometimes than veteran players can. We certainly saw it this season. Carmelo Anthony was probably the only player who really was worth his worth his contract, even on a veteran minimum, of the older guys the Lakers signed. Trevor Reza wasn't, Wayne Ellington wasn't, Ken Bazemore wasn't, right? Uh, DJ Augustine, I suppose, w was, but you got him midway through the season. Whereas the younger guys, Stanley Johnson, Wenyan Gabriel, Austin Reeves, these are the guys who you could depend on a bit more night in and night out and gave you the things that you needed. So I'm in agreement with that. I think if I'm the Lakers, if I'm signing guys to veteran minimum contracts, I'm more willing to take a chance on a younger player that you can find ways to make them fit and that you can get them to grow into their role than an aging player. Like, like if there's a, I don't know, just to throw the first name that popped into my head, if it's between Paul Millsap and a young guy who's maybe got some potential, Jay Huff. Let's just throw Jay Huff's name in there. I'm going to bring in Jay Huff because I'm probably going to get more out of him. I'm not saying they're the same player or anything, but I'm probably going to get more out of him. And the Lakers have had a better track record with guys like that than they have bringing in these veteran guys who they expect to have this bounce back season when it's pretty clear they're, um, they're on their last legs. Uh, THT trade for Terrence Ross. Uh, McNasty said on YouTube, that's interesting because Terrence Ross did, did recently, I believe it was yesterday, yesterday or day before, strongly hint that he wants out of Orlando. He said he's part of the previous regime. He doesn't really know what they're doing moving forward. He basically, he didn't say I specifically demand a trade, but he said, you know, he doesn't really have to. It's pretty clear. He wants out of Orlando. One year left on his deal at about 11 million. It's interesting I think you're definitely giving up on the on the future of Taylor Horton Tucker if you do that. I I don't dislike Terrence Ross, but he didn't have a great season this last year himself. It wasn't great. He's also the kind of microwave bench scorer where if you're going to bring back Malik Monk, then you definitely don't do it because Malik Monk is better at the things that Terrence Ross is good at than Terrence Ross is. If you're bringing back Malik Monk, you definitely don't do it. If you feel like you absolutely need the firepower to win right now, maybe you could make the argument Terrence Ross is a better fit and you give up THT for him. Otherwise, I don't know if I do it. And I think there's also the chance that Kendrick Nunn can take on that Malik Monk role. They're not the same player, but in terms of being a scorer off the bench for you, he can take on that role of Malik Monk if you lose him. I don't know if I'm sold that Terrence Ross is the right fit for a THT trade. I think I need a bigger, a bigger upgrade. Uh, he said, McNasty said, I'm a fan of THT, but also of the mindset that we have to win now. Okay. So 
if I if you're in that mindset, if LeBron says, hey, we have to win this season, I think, yes, if we're just looking at this season, Terrence Ross probably helps you more than Taylor Horton Tucker does. But again, I think there'd also be a pretty strong chance that three years from now, we look back and we say, yeah, maybe should have hung on to THT. Xavier Harp said, Thomas Bryant, Rocco, and Ingles if we do the indie deal. So Robert Covington, I'm assuming you're, you're figuring the taxpayer mid-level for him in order to get him. He'd be a great fit. Uh, I don't know if you get him for that price. I've liked his fit with the Lakers potentially for a long time. I think he's a great fit with a lot of teams. I think ultimately the Clippers keep him. But Thomas Bryant, uh, again, probably gets a little bit more. And then Joe Ingles coming off of an injury. How much does he get? The Lakers could find themselves priced out on those guys. But if there's a way to do it, okay, I'm I'm interested. Joe Ingles is coming off a knee injury. That would be, you'd have to be pretty convinced that he was back to 100% to do that. But Thomas Bryant, Robert Covington, I like where your head's at with those ones. Marcus, 411, can we sign Christian Wood? No, he's under contract. You could trade for him, though. What do, the, uh, what do the Lakers mean when they say we're going to be very active on the market since we only have two picks, THT and none? So being very active on the market can mean a lot of things. It can mean trades. You can work in uh, making future trades using cap space. So trading away Russell Westbrook, getting pieces back. There's other stuff that can be traded too. They're going to be active. They're going to be making calls. They're going to be doing everything they can to improve the team. They're not going to be just sitting back saying, yeah, we're pretty well set. We don't need to make a deal. No, I think they're going to be very aggressive trying to make moves out there. Christian Wood could be one of them. For example, I'm not very interested in a John Wall for Russell Westbrook swap. If it's John Wall and Christian Wood for Russell Westbrook and other stuff, okay, I'm interested. That's the way you can make a, a bigger deal happen. So Christian Wood, can you get him? He's under contract right now. But if you're able to do that uh, Wall-Russ swap and you include Christian Wood in it, Maybe that's a way to make it happen. All right, guys, let's do one more. One more, and then we will call it a day here and then head off to a weekend. There are a few games on tonight. I don't know. I'm not as excited about the games tonight. Maybe because I just kind of have a sense of what's what here. But uh, Miami and Atlanta tonight, I mean, I think Miami is just clearly the better team there. Milwaukee and Chicago and, and Phoenix and New Orleans, they're certainly more interesting now that... Chris Middleton is out uh, for the Bucs and Devin Booker out for the Suns. I still think Milwaukee and the Suns get through, but I think it's more up in the air now. But those are the games that we have on tonight. It's going to be interesting to watch. Let's do one more question before we head off for a weekend. Uh, Avi B, any signs Russ opts out that warrants a parade? Oh man, Avi B, thank you for the super chat. If that happened, we would be able to hear the celebrations from El Segundo. They would be echoing all over the country. If Russell Westbrook declined his $47 million player option, he's not going to do it though. I mean, what does he realistically get in free agency? Most would be somebody gives him a mid-level exception deal, 10 million. That's the most. And you've got 47 million sitting here. Look, even if Russ was to sign a three-year deal, with somebody and he's getting 10 million per for 30 million, you're still better off taking 47 million and then signing minimum deals the rest of the way. I don't see him giving up that $47 million deal. Even if he didn't come right out and say that he was picking it up, everybody expects him to pick up that deal. Oh, we'll finish with this super chat type Williams. Realistically, what could we get for AD? I think you could get a lot for him. I don't think you could get what you gave up to get him. I think the injury history has cause that to be a problem. But if you decide you're going to move Anthony Davis, I think you could get a lot. There'd be a lot of teams interested. But again, I think it would come down to Anthony Davis telling the Lakers he wants to go. That's what would have to happen in order for the Lakers to move him. And that might limit the landing spots a little bit because I think the Lakers would work with him to try to find the best fit. But if I'm the Lakers, I'm looking for, if I'm going to trade AD, if and if LeBron is on his way out, I'm looking for future stuff. I'm looking for future picks. I'm looking for young players things of that nature in order to make that kind of a, a move. I'm looking for young guys that can be part of the next iteration of the Lakers. All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining me today. Fun Friday. We'll be doing this again in the future. Remember, our schedule for the summer 
it is for the off season, I should say, since we're in spring right now, it is Mondays and Wednesdays, nine o'clock Pacific time. Fridays, we go live two o'clock Pacific time, kick off the weekend right here with Lakers nation. Thank you everybody for joining us. Make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications so you get notified. We put out a new video, and I really appreciate all the ratings and reviews over on Apple Podcasts. That's a great way to help us out. Give us that rating over on Apple Podcasts and preferably a five-star review. I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. Till next time, see ya, and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.